Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks. Our teacher is my lifelong friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, consultant in adult education and director of Go Teach Global. Jim, you told me once a story about meeting an Ethiopian businessman on a plane that led to a fascinating friendship. Can you share that story with our listeners? Gladly, Paul. But perhaps I should establish the context and ask our men listening, have you ever traveled on a public vehicle and had the man sitting beside you, a total stranger, fall asleep on your shoulder? It happened to me one night late a few years ago. His name was Baru. I boarded the plane in Cairo on my way to Frankfurt. The flight originated in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. I had an aisle seat and beside me was Baru leaning against the window. The plane took off and he continued to sleep. But as the aircraft ascended, it made a steep turn to the right. The plane tilted and poof, now his head was on my shoulder, but he was still sound asleep. Oh my goodness, what do I do now? I decided, I'll just close my eyes and go to sleep as well. When we both finally woke up, we introduced ourselves. Baru was on his way to meetings in Washington. I was headed home to Vancouver. When we landed at Frankfurt Airport, we shared over five hours together in the Lufthansa lounge waiting for our connecting flights. During the five hours, we talked about many things. Baru was a Muslim. I am a Christian. But there was a gentle bond of mutual respect in our dialogue. Dialogue means the meeting of meaning, and that is how I would describe the essence of our conversation. We had a, quote, meeting of meaning, unquote. At one point, I showed Baru a chart I was creating on the rise and decline of civilizations and how the majority of civilizations, the Aztecs, Incas, Mayans, Romans, Greeks, Mongols, Chinese, Indians, Babylonians, Egyptians, each had a period of great ascendancy, a time of peace and prosperity, and then a steep decline, in some cases almost into oblivion. Baru saw that the last example on my chart was Egyptians. You need to add the Oxamite, he said. I responded somewhat naively, who are they? They, he responded, were one of the largest empires in all of Africa. Jim, you need to come to Ethiopia to learn more about them, he said. In a fantastic evidence of God's timing, four years later, the Lord arranged for Rita, my wife, to be at a medical clinic in Awano, Ethiopia, for some eight weeks, and I was in Addis Abba at the same time, working with a different ministry. For my last dinner in Addis, Baru hosted me at the historic Empress Tattoo Hotel. We talked further about the rise and decline of a civilization and agreed that however we define Western civilization, it is currently headed to or in stage three. Let me describe the three stages. Stage one, an ascending civilization. At this point, life is valuable. People are needed at every age and stage to build the empire, so to speak. 
Nobody is expendable. Children, adults, wise elders, everyone counts. There is full employment as the resources of the country are focused on nation building. Ever-increasing advanced states of engineering and technological ingenuity move that society forward. In virtually every civilization from the Aztecs and the Mayans to the Romans right through to the European commonwealths, this has happened. The social dynamic of an ascending civilization has two foundational principles. Truth and trust. People tell the truth. And we trust one another. A handshake seals a deal. The front door is unlocked. In an ascending civilization, we seek to enrich community and family responsibilities. Citizens choose to share, to give, and to help their neighbors, sometimes risking loss or hardship to help others. The occupations that are admired by young and old are farmers to feed the citizens, military to protect our gains, and educators to teach life skills. In an ascending civilization, educators pass on to the next generation skills, knowledge, and wise values from previous generations to permit survival by ensuring each citizen knows the truth and trusts the authorities to implement justice with mercy. In a ascending civilization, life is valuable. Before we get to the next stage, Jim, let me remind our listeners that this is Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham from Go Teach Global. For a printed copy of this program's teachings or with any questions you may have, email Dr. Jim at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Next is stage two. We'll call it peace and leisure. We now have freedom and peace and a new commodity in our civilization called leisure time. Leisure permits a redirecting of time and energy towards developing the arts, music, and drama, plus sports and recreational activities. Life is all about me. My comfort, my luxury, my materialism. Individualism says, just leave me alone. We have these unspoken social contracts. You don't bother me, I won't bother you. Apathy and indifference appear tattooed into our social conscience. An increasingly top-down dictatorial form of government provides a veneer of security by capitulating to moral blackmail from militant minority special interest groups. The masses develop a cynical, uncaring attitude. You might say they are enjoying the good life. Now we come to stage three, a descending civilization. Life is expendable. While it took 80 to 90% of the time to achieve an ascending civilization, this is all about to disappear as the time of descent appears to be approximately 10 to 20% of the civilization's life cycle. Yes, the three words to sum a descending civilization are, life is expendable. Infanticide, abortion, and human sacrifice, euthanasia now replace respect for life and the preservation of truth and trust. Social structures begin to collapse through deceit and intimidation. 
rent-a-crowd mobs quickly assemble to promote whatever agenda the wealthy power brokers desire to retain power. The focus shifts from the family and community to the rights of the individual, ignoring the responsibilities that go with them. Teaching a person only about their rights eventually leads to rebellion. Jeremiah says the human heart is deceitfully wicked. 2 Timothy 3 depicts a graphic picture of a descending civilization. It says men will become lovers of themselves, boastful, proud, disobedient, unloving, unforgiving, and no self-control. It is ironic that respected occupations in a declining civilization tend to be overpaid athletes, artists, and musicians. Jesus of Nazareth, our Messiah and Lord, lived his entire earthly life within the time period of the Roman Empire. In essence, the Roman civilization was at its peak during the time Jesus Christ walked on the earth. Let me suggest that for every social problem or issue that you and I face in our home countries, our Lord Jesus Christ faced a similar issue under the Roman Empire. We have abortions, they had infanticide. Name the problem. Jesus met a similar situation in his day. So how should we then live in a currently powerful yet declining civilization? Consider with me some of the factors in Christ's life. First, Jesus accepted that persecution was inevitable for obedience to the will of his Father. Disciples of Jesus Christ live with the same reality. Once we assimilate this fact, we are unstoppable until God calls us home. Second, Jesus always spoke the truth with grace. The political and religious leaders did not know what to do with Jesus Christ. He never organized a militia against Rome. He never signed petitions against corruption in government. He never sought the favor of the Roman leaders by becoming the mayor of Jerusalem or governor of Judah. In fact, just the opposite. He healed the daughter of a Roman centurion, a man who would have been hated by most Jews in Israel. Third, Jesus modeled humility and kindness to those in need. He spoke his kindest words to a woman caught in adultery. His harshest words were for the religious leaders whom he called out as white-washed tombs, clean on the outside, full of dead bones inside. His strongest anger found release towards those we would call religious hypocrites. So, first, Jesus accepted persecution. Second, he spoke the truth with grace. Third, he modeled humility. And fourth, Jesus had one goal, to do the will of his heavenly Father. The political leaders did not know how to contain him, and the religious leaders of the day hated him. He did not tackle social issues as much as he challenged his listeners to follow his teachings and change society from the inside out, rather than imposing a legalistic, pharisaical lifestyle. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We should rejoice that God has made a way that is inclusive, 
He accepts anyone from any culture, at any economic level, any education level, who accepts his son by faith. Think of it this way. Jesus died for our sins, rose from the dead, and is now alive to live inside us to teach us what to do and say to influence our civilization. Is it possible to stop the downward slide of our current civilization? It has happened in history. Ancient Nineveh responded to the warning of Jonah, repented, and God healed their land. It is possible. We just need a few more Jonas. There you have it for now, men. We become alive unto Christ when we apply the truths we receive to help turn the hearts of our nation back to Christ. One man, one heart at a time. Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global, goteachglobal.com. Until next time, I'm Paul Estabrooks on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, encouraging you to be men alive, conform to the image of Jesus Christ. <laughs>